This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want to go to heaven and say should have, could have, would have. I want to say that I witness to everyone, my neighbors, my co-workers. I witness to my fellow students, to my teachers. I witness to my family members. I want to say I witness to everyone that was on the line in Walmart. I, want to, I didn't want to say should have, could have, would have. I want to hear when the Lord says, well done, thy good and faithful servant, that he's going to glorify him. Do you ever feel like the calling on your life seems small? In today's message, Pastor Eddie teaches that every call from the Lord is great, no matter how big or small it seems. His challenge to us is, be careful in how we view our callings. Like Paul, we must fix our eyes on God and where He's leading us. We may feel that others' callings seem more significant, but we're reminded that just as God called Paul, He is calling us. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in part three of his message. good for us is because we have separate ourselves from God. We separate ourselves. Be separate unto the Lord. Why? So you could do the will of God. What's that? Sharing the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? He says, call to be an apostle, separate to the gospel of God. The gospel means good news, glad tidings. People have a problem sharing the good news and always like to mention hell. Repent. You're going to hell. Yeah, if you know, that's Satan, you're going to hell. No, that's not good news. That's the truth. That is the truth. But that's not good news. The good news is that God made a way. The good news is not a bunch of good advice. The good news is not a, a code of ethics or morals. It's not a creed. The good news of the gospel is God's message for man. The good news is that God the Father sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to save the world. That's the good news. I can't save myself. We can't save ourselves. No one can save you. Not even your country. Not even the two that are running for office. No one can save you. No one. That's the good news, the gospel. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received and which you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast that word which I preached to you, unless you believe in vain, for I delivered to you first of all that which I also received. And here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. There is a savior who took my place. I belong on the cross. There is no way out if it wasn't for Jesus. And Jesus took my place in Calvary. Christ did not come to make bad men good, but to give dead men life. Good people, can I tell you this? Good people do not go to heaven. 
those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ go to heaven. What is good? By whose definition? The world has a definition what is good. Is it by the world's definition or by God's standards? And how do you know God's standards? His word. Regardless of what the legislators or the elected officials are running for, whether they're in favor of things against the scripture, it doesn't matter what they say, no matter what they do. It doesn't matter what this country, who the country puts into office. God is in the throne. And they're going to pass laws, things that look like it makes sense. And the world's going to be blinded by what's going on in our culture today. And they get all caught up. But it's not by the standards of the United States of America. It's the standards based on biblical scriptures. And so that's how we live by it. That's the good news is the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, I, Paul, bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel, which he promised before through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Throughout the scriptures, we find the prophecies of Jesus Christ, the Mashiach, Yeshua, to come and to take our place in Calvary. The prophecies have been mentioned over and over again. 300 prophecies in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, speaks of Jesus' return. Though the New Testament is new, the message is not that new. It's been spoken of years ago of the Messiah. It's a new covenant through Jesus Christ. The gospel was promised through the prophets in all the scriptures. The first messianic prophecy in the Bible goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Women do not have seed and is in capital. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Yes, you'll pierce his hands and feet. Yes, you'll have your way with him by putting him on the cross, putting him the crown of thorns on his head. But he's going to crush your head when you see the tomb is empty, and the tomb is empty. Praise the Lord. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. He says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, though they be as white as snow, though they are red like chrism, they shall be as wool. So, There's a promise of turning our sins, and the Lord is going to make us white as snow. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Prophecies after prophecies after prophecies. We don't have enough time to go over 300 of them, but trust me, they're there. But in the New Testament, Peter writes this. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 to 12. I'm sorry, 10 to 12. He says, On this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us that we, that I'm sorry, but to us, they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. Now, that blew me away when I looked at the end. Angels? They're in the presence of God. They're angelic beings. God didn't die for angels. He died for people. And so here the angels are probably thinking to themselves, I, This is our creator. 
We are around his throne 24-7, glorifying him, worshiping him. But I remember the time when he went down and left his throne to die for some short guy named Eddie. I don't understand it. What is it that Eddie has? Or what is it about Eddie that he left his throne to die for him? The chief of all sinners, love. And we sang that song, Amazing Love. There is nothing about me that I could think that would say, Lord, you see, you have to love me. But he loves me. He loves you. And the angels are bugged out about this. He left this throne for them? For those maggots? <laughs> really? They are perplexed. They're looking into these things because th- there's a reason why they're looking into it because it doesn't make sense to them. And that's the love of Jesus. And that's the good news. That Jesus left this throne to die on the cross. He took our place in Calvary. So that salvation through his grace, it's not by works, it's through the grace of God, that now we have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Powerful. Which he promised, verse 2, before through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures, verse 3, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Saying, talking about the, the, the man Jesus. Jesus was man, he was fully man, he was fully God. And he was the son of God. Jesus was God. He became flesh, John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. You go down to verse 14 in John chapter 1. And the Word became flesh. He dwelt among us. His name is Manuel, God with us. He was made flesh, and it was through the seed of David, the tribe of Judah, as promised by the prophets. And this is something the Jews don't believe, they, they cannot understand. How can the Messiah come from the tribe of Judah? when we know that the Levitical tribe is the priestlyhood of all 12 tribes, uh, they got to go back and do a little bit more study because Melchizedek tells that, speaks of that, that he would come from another tribe. When he met Abraham, when his name was Abram, remember Abram met this man, unknown priest named Melchizedek? He said he would come from another tribe. So he came in the form of man, verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. If Christ had not risen from the grave, then he would not and could not be God. But he conquered the grave. He conquered sin and death. Christ was crucified, buried and rose the third day. Jesus proved to be the Son of God as it was prophesied. Jesus is the Lord. And let me tell you, saints, that is the gospel Paul is an apostle of. And that is the good news Paul is separated to. And as Paul made that commitment, can we say we make this commitment too? Am I just a Christian on Sundays? Am I just a Christian on Wednesdays? Or when it's convenient? I want to be separated to the Lord. I want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't want to go to heaven and say, should have, could have, would have. I want to say that I witness to everyone, my neighbors, my coworkers. I witness to my fellow students, to my teachers. I witness to my family members. I want to say I witness to everyone that was on the line in Walmart. I, want to, I didn't want to say should have, could have, would have. I want to hear when the Lord says, well done, thy good and faithful servant. 
that is going to glorify him. And the only way that can happen is we separate ourselves. Not to ourselves. Not to our worldly desires. Not to our little programs. Not to our plans. Not to our future. But if we separate ourselves unto the Lord, the world, you can imagine what God can do in Milford and Pike County. Because there's a group of radical believers in Jesus Christ that is ministering the gospel. They, and how they do that? They separated themselves. Separated. I'm not saying, hey, let's just form a compound, <laughs> you know, and just put a wall around it and, you know, start, you know, I'm not talking like, so we, you know, we, we, we're not of this world. We're in this world, but not of it, you know. And the reason the Lord, the Lord really wants his church to wake up, separate themselves. Verse 5, through him we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Now, the apostleship there is not the apostleship that we think as a title, but the work that is done as an apostleship. The apostleship, sending off, going out to the mission fields, going out to third world countries. If the Lord calls you, praise the Lord, the Lord calls you. You know, I'm so blessed to see people who are radical for Jesus that are willing to get out of their comfort zone and go to a third world country or some country just for the gospel's sake. Now, you may not have that much faith. You may not have that much courage. But why can't you do it here to comfort, in the comfort of your own home? You don't have to go to Africa. You know, we, we spend millions in putting a man into the moon. We have a problem going across the street to our neighbor. Especially Christians. Separate unto the gospel. The grace. The grace. And if anything, if it wasn't for Paul, didn't deserve, he didn't do anything to deserve it, but it was through the grace of God. He said, him we have this grace among you, verse 6, whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. You are called. You are called. You are called of Jesus Christ. And as I said, there's no big calling, there's no little calling. Every calling of the Lord is ordained, is blessed, and it's great. And we see that Paul was an example of that. He persecuted the church. Perfect example of being sent out. A man was sent out because of the grace of God. He persecuted the church, but it was by God's grace that he was saved. Think about it. The Lord didn't say, you know, Paul, I'm going to call you. You do a great job of persecuting me. He was far from it. Transformation had to take place. Who are you, Lord? What must I do? Those are the two things he said. Who are you, Lord? I know he's Jesus. I know he's the son of God. And then once he acknowledges who Jesus is, what must I do, Paul says. Okay, you're who you are. You tell me. I'm here. I'm all yours. What do you want me to do? That was the heart of Paul. I think that's the second question many Christians should ask themselves. Yes, we accept that Christ is Lord and personal Savior. Yes, we understand grace. The grace that saved us from sin. It's not anything that you've done that's given you salvation through Christ. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. We're saved by grace, not by works, lest anyone should boast. You're saved by grace. We understand that. I believe many of us understand that. It's not by works. No one said, okay, listen, before you come, become a part of Calvary Chapel of Milford, you have to donate a couple of bags of chocolate candy. Ben is in the foyer, and you become a member. You'll be one of us. 
We know that we're saved by grace, not by works. It's not by how many Hail Marys, uh, Hail Marys or, or how many uh, uh, prayers, hours of prayer. No, that's works. We're saved by grace. It's not anything we've done because that's to add to the work of the cross. And to say to Jesus, Lord, I know you died on the cross, but that wasn't enough. Uh, I need to do more. Jesus never, when he hung on the cross, he, he said, it is finished. Tell us die. He didn't say, okay, I got it from here, guys. You take it off from here and I'll end. I need you to do the, all your part. Because I didn't complete the work. No, it is finished. The complete work of salvation has been done. So we know we're saved by grace. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes, while we're saved by grace, we're walking in our faith in the Lord, we're growing in the Lord, we think that we have to do good works as a Christian in order for God to bless us. Unmerited favor, unmerited blessings for those who believe. So, you know, uh, why are you going through so much trials and tribulation? You know, if you don't understand the word of God, you don't understand how God works because you, you're not with the Lord. You haven't separated yourself to the Lord. You don't know how he works. So now you're going to come to the conclusion. You're going to get a lot of counselors. People does not know anything about the word of God. Ask Job. He had three counselors that weren't really good at all. They're going to say, well, it's probably you went through trials because maybe there's sin in your life. Well, how come that brother gets blessed? Well, maybe he's been praying a lot. Finical we get, right? We, we study that. And that's how people look. Listen, I serve a God who loves me. And he blesses me regardless of what I do. Unmerited favor, unmerited blessings. You who have children, you know that you bless your children. You care for them. You love them. Not because they do their chores. Not because they get A's in school. You love them and you do good by them. And so we, we think that, okay, that grace is only uh, grace into salvation, but there is grace. I am living in grace every day. And so we see this. Paul was, persecu- was persecuting the church. God didn't say, listen, you're good. Uh, it was by God's grace he was saved. Lord didn't say, okay, you know what? I had enough for you. Boom. <laughs> Evaporated. I'm killing you. Boom. Grace. Paul even knows this. It's by God's grace. Why am I still here? I'm a chief of all sinners. He humbled himself. In verse 7, he says, To all, all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints. Beloved of God. I love, I love to, because I listen to Chuck all the time. Um, he says, he likes to, you know, personalize it with the Rome. He said, to all who are in Milford, Pennsylvania, beloved of God, called to be saints. To all who are in Pike County, to all who are in Pennsylvania, and all of America, beloved of God, called to be what? Saints. Now, saints, as time went on, the definition of saints have changed. Paul is writing to people who are alive, hello? Not to a statue of something that's dead. All of a sudden, we have one denomination in Christianity that thinks that they have the authority of who to be saints. Sadly, is only one that's dead. They just made Mother Teresa a saint. Wasn't she a saint before her death? Who is Paul writing to? He's writing to people who are alive. What is saints? Those who are separated unto the Lord. Saint is not something on your dashboard. Something on your lawn. A saint is not something that's on your mantle there. Saint is alive. Saint is one who has been separated unto the Lord. That's why I call you saints sometimes. I say, listen, saints... You are saints. And it's not the saints by definition, oh, you're so good, you're so holy, you're walking on air. No, you're saints because you're separate unto the Lord. 
We're saints. Once I shared that with a coworker, he said, of course, he had a Catholic background. You know what I'm saying? He says, it was like blasphemy. <laughs> I said, yeah, no, that's what the Bible calls us. And I had to explain to him, and no matter what, you know, they can listen, they can hear, but they're not listening. There's a difference. They hear noise, but they're not listening as far as paying attention. And it's not sinking in, you know? But nonetheless, you are saints. You are saints of God. The grace to you, I love this, grace to you and peace from God, our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, I love this. This is another, I'm sorry. I grew up, and I grew up, I listened to a lot of Chuck, so I have to steal a lot of his stuff. But he calls this, he coins grace and peace as the Siamese twins. All part of one coin. He said grace and peace. When you say grace, that's a Gentile greeting in in Greece. They would greet you and say grace, meaning may you have a day better than you deserve. May you enjoy your day, a day better than you deserve. That's the Gentile Greek greeting. And he also included here a Jewish greeting. It's not a worldly peace, but shalom. You know, Jesus, you know, this is where people, you know, they start taking things out of context. They don't, they're not Christians. They want to attack the Bible. Well, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. Yeah, that's what he said. You're right. He didn't come to bring peace. He's talking about worldly peace. There's a worldly peace. But there's a difference between a worldly peace and a godly peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding. Now, here's the thing. Here's the order you'll find it in all of Paul's epistles. Whenever you see grace and peace together, Paul will always mention first, Grace, then peace. Why is that? Because you will never have peace unless you have grace. Understand that the grace of God for you, when you understand that doctrine, that theology, unmerited favor, there's nothing that you deserve. When you understand that, then you understand there's a peace. Because if you have to do it in your work, you're in trouble. There is no peace. It's also an attorney at night taking pills, Right? But when you have grace, understand God's grace for you, his love, unmerited favor, God's riches at Christ's expense, then you will have peace. That's Paul's greeting to the church. His longest salutation of all his epistles. And this is a very powerful book, and I think it was good for us to just get that little introduction, know who's the writer, He's putting himself in the right place, showing that we need to be humble, who we are in Christ. Just by his salutation, just by his greeting, seven verses, you know who you are in Christ. You understand grace. You understand peace. You know if someone gives you a card and says they're an apostle. And you understand that there is all calling of God is great. And we're called to share what? The gospel, the good news. Amen. Pastor Eddie Pinero has been digging into the book of Romans with us here on Running the Race. We hope you've been encouraged by what you've heard today and that you're eager to learn more about Jesus. If you'd like to listen to more messages by Eddie, visit our website at runningtheraceradio.com. There you'll also find a link to our podcast where you can subscribe to receive up-to-date messages each time they're available. If you're in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area, why not come be a part of our weekly worship service? We gather each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesday at 7 p.m. for Bible study, worship, and getting to know each other better. 
Find more information at runningtheraceradio.com. Right now, Tracy has some information about how you can be a part of the ministry here at Running the Race. Radio programs like Running the Race are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see Running the Race expand throughout the tri-state area. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Running the Race? Log on to runningtheraceradio.com and simply click on the Give option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. There's much more to learn from the Book of Romans on the next edition of Running the Race.